Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Patrick Martin. We're going to talk about the Huskies in the NBA draft, as well as some other Huskies chasing their professional aspirations. Uh, we, of course, want to shout out and thank all of our subscribers, those of you who have joined us across this past season and stuck with us through the offseason. We're really excited to continue our coverage, to continue looking deep into folks like Cam Spencer and Stefan Castle and what they bring to the table. We're going to have a lot of coverage for you around the NBA Summer League as well. But first, Patrick, we're going to talk NBA draft. We're going to go through the guys who got drafted. It's a banner night for the Huskies overall to have two guys picked for the first time since 2014. Jordan Hawkins goes in the lottery, first Husky off the board at 14th to the New Orleans Pelicans. He can shoot the shit out of the ball. That's something he can immediately bring to a team. How do you feel about Hawkins on the Pelicans? To be determined, a big fat TBD because, and no pun intended, when I said big and fat, there is a big fat question mark looming over that franchise. His name is Zion Williamson, folks. You all know him. You all know the uh, the Twitter sidestepping he is uh, currently engaged in. Poor fella, you know, just yikes. Um, but even before uh, Mariah Mills or whatever, you know, popped off, he he he's constantly been in trade rumors because of his weight, his availability or lack thereof. So. That will determine Hawkins's role because right now, as the current roster is constructed, there is Trey Murphy, who is essentially what you know what Jordan Hawkins could be. You know, he's six eight. Hawkins is six six, but he Murphy shot forty percent from three last year, averaged fourteen point five points per game. Uh, you know, is effective in other areas. He is a very, very good shooting guard and floor spacer. So right now, if you have Zion, adding another one of those is great because you can't have enough floor spacers when you have a space eater like like Williamson. However, if Zion is out, who knows if the Pels just do a complete blow up and rebuild? Does Hawkins kind of enter a situation that is a little similar to James Booknight did two years ago, where he's a part of a very young, raw um, Charlotte team, and he's kind of thrust into a role that maybe he may or may not develop with? You know, the, the jury is still out there. Uh, I personally think he has a much higher ceiling than just specialty spot up shooter. We saw glimpses in the March run of being more than just a standstill shooter. And think back to the chase down blocks, the the smart passing. He has more of his game to unlock, and you just have to hope that there's a coach out there, there's a program out there, a franchise out there that can be patient with him and not just throw him out there because I think that's when a player starts to kind of miss their ceiling when they're asked to do too much right off the bat. Yeah, I think that's interesting about when you say Hawkins has more potential than just being a spot-up shooter. I think that's exactly right. Um, and he absolutely has to be to keep a lengthy NBA career. 
we saw the comp made earlier uh, before the draft that he was a lot like a more athletic JJ Redick, which which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, Redick is a good example of someone who, as much as I regret to say, I don't like the guy at all, uh, obviously. But um, oh, it took me years to come around to it. Yeah, but that the, the, the fact have, that he was a, a an incredible NBA player. Exactly, you have to respect the game and and the way he did it, and that's all. That's almost the model for for Hawkins is to to say, look, man, you. You were able to light it up in college and part of a, an amazing team, you know, as a sophomore, which is which is all very incredible. But it's so it's so tough in the NBA. Tons of guys, you know, who can shoot as good as him don't don't stay don't have the staying power because they are not complete enough players. We've seen evidence that he's a good enough defender, as we've discussed in the past. I think um what will be important is what he is asked to do for the team this year. You know, like you mentioned, how they manage his development and what the situation will be. I mean, I, I, as we've discussed, I'm not, I'm not super into the, the NBA, especially the, you know, following it during the regular season. I mean, I see that they were, you know, a middle of the pack team in the conference with a young roster. I think that's, you know, fairly promising. Would you say that, New Orleans is a well-run like franchise right now. What do you, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, they're not an embarrassment. They're not a laughing stock, but they're not the Spurs. They're not the Bucks, which we'll get to later. Uh, they're not. They're, they're, there's no hashtag Pell's culture that you you see with with the the Miami Heat down there in South Beach. Um, but they're getting better and unfortunately it's like you know this the zion situation has loomed over that franchise since he was drafted and they've gotten so many glimpses of what that team can be when he's healthy he just can't stay on the damn court so it's a franchise that is kind of stuck in the mud because of that situation and that's because or that's why the the, they're looking to move him now saying yeah if they can get a good offer you know get out from it now and move forward I almost would rather they, for Jordan Hawkins' sake, they keep him and hope he gets healthy and hope he, you know, gets over some of this other off-court stuff that he's going through. Because, like I said before, getting rid of him means a full teardown and rebuild, and you never want a lottery pick to be involved in that. Um, because it just, I, I don't know, I, I really don't think that's Hawkins' role as a, as a legitimate, he is not a go-get-you-a-bucket give it to him and get out of the way type of player. Uh, he will be a, you know, a championship caliber player with the, the right seasoning. And I think if you put him with Zion, you have him back up Trey Murphy, you know, NBA rosters, they go nine, 10 deep. He's going to get minutes. He's going to you know be facing defenses that aren't really keyed in on him. If he knocks down two threes a game, averages six to nine points his rookie year, then that gives you know, the organization faith in him that when Trey Murphy's contract comes up, I think that he's in year two now. So I don't, I don't know how long the rookie contracts go, but that rookie contract is running out and you say, all right, I've got our, you know, our tailor-made replacement right here. One thing about, you know, the Zion trade rumors is there's, there's a possibility it turns out, you know, with a, with a better roster that, that, you know, would fit or to fit around Hawkins potentially. I just doesn't know, you know, Another possibility, of course, is that Hawkins is part of a trade, uh, which which would be uh, interesting and exciting development. 
Um, we do yeah, have, he, of course, some. Okay. He could get he could get the Jeremy Lamb treatment. He was drafted by the Rockets and then traded to the Thunder as part of the James Harden trade. So he uh, came to a, a a Thunder team that was just completely nuked. And we all, you know, he kind of, you know, he stuck around and had some very, very successful, you know, seasons. But I think Jordan Hawkins has a higher ceiling than Jeremy Lamb. I really, really like the JJ Reddick comparison. And I scoff at people that took Grady Dick over him. Um, get get out. Take, take it away. Take it away. That's exciting connections to the Pelicans front office. Uh, Swin Cash, of course. The Yukon star is a front office executive there. And did you see who the Pelicans general manager is? I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. And I don't feel like Googling it right now. It's, uh, I, you know, I, there's a lot of GMs. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know any NBA GMs, but I found out a few recently. Trajan Langdon is the New Orleans Pelicans General manager, the man who fell with the ball. The fuck out of here. Final seconds of the 1999 national championship game. Get the fuck out of here. Drafting a UConn guy in the first round. Ooh, ooh. Anyway, well, you know, I him. that's a good gig. Good gig. I, you know. I, I know he was dogged by injuries, but maybe Langdon can teach Jordan Hawkins how to not be in a, an NBA bust. Hmm. Something to think about. I, I can't resist taking a shot at Duke people. I mean, I don't care if you drafted them. Like, of course. Come Listen, on. You go to Duke, you deserve everything bad that happens to you after. We're just taking shots at people. I um, mean, if, if if your name is the Alaskan Assassin, you're going to have to accept that people are going to, with a nickname as cool as that, you're going to have to accept people are going to come for you. People are going to come for you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, hey, Hawkins, we're going to get a chance to see him early, see how he goes up against, uh, you know, s- slightly higher competition, see how much more he can demonstrate that he's able to round out his game. I mean, I think especially the part about scoring in different ways, that that's a really big, big piece of it. If you're going to be like that bench scoring guy, uh, you know, if that's kind of what he slots into earlier in his career. Um, then you got to find other ways. You can't just be a guy who is needs to be set up to score, especially in the NBA, especially now. Um, but I also think, how, how do you feel about this, about this comp for Hawkins? Again, very, you know, very rudimentary knowledge of the NBA. How about a taller Steph Curry? What do you think about that? Tall Steph Curry. So he's, he's got this light, he's got the lightning release. And I think that's one of the things that really makes, makes Hawkins able to, uh, stand out and let's say he expands his range where he can just hit him automatically from you know 35 something like that is Jordan Hawkins the next Steph Curry no that's that's bait that's bait something to think about I'm something. not I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole all right no I, I no look no Listen, no hey, I'm not touching it I'm not touching it all right let me ask you this what do you think Jordan Hawkins would have done on the uh, 2007 Davidson roster well, I have to uh, recuse myself of this because um, having hung out with a few of those players, having met Uncle Bob McKillop, oh. um, I'm going to have to recu- you know, recuse myself and plead the fifth there. Um, that team was special. I don't think Jordan Hawkins with Wisconsin draped all over him and 
was it Gonzaga or is it Gonzaga draped all over him? Uh, oh, Georgetown, I think draped all over him can would have created the offense that that Steph did. Uh, but I admire your efforts, you know, shoot for the moon. And even if you yeah, miss you, you land amongst the stars. I've got high hopes for, I've got high hopes for Jordan Hawkins. You know, maybe he, you know, maybe he gets there. Something to think about. We're just doing ranges. We're doing ranges here. I'm doing the upper limit. You're doing a more practical approach and we will. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the ETF. You're the growth stop stock. I'm, I'm pro football focus and you're uh, somebody who actually is watching games and <laughs> making an assessment. All right, so so that's Jordan Hawkins. We're going to be really excited again to check check him out. And I, again, I think it's somewhere where at least a chance to make an immediate impact. He'll be on the he'll be on the NBA roster, which is you know to talk about some of UConn's recent success. Not not always a given. Not always something that um, uh, ends up happening for for multiple years. And I think as we've discussed, Hawkins does have some potential for for staying power. Next up in the draft was Andre Jackson. He was dealt to the Milwaukee Bucks after being picked number 36 overall by Orlando. Um, we'll start with my rudimentary knowledge of the of the NBA and say that I'll say that I think the Bucks are a pretty good team, having won a championship a couple of years ago and uh, being the top seed in the East last year. And uh, from reading Ryan Goodman's assessment of, of his fit on the team, it looked like Jackson fills, fills some need and is surrounded by a lot of shooters. And holy crap, it will be super cool to see him play next to Giannis uh, if, if, if we are lucky enough to see that happen. Those are my initial thoughts there. He is going to do exactly what he did and excelled at in March for UConn, which is be the connective tissue for that second unit. Um, you 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 look at that Bucks roster and you see, uh, you know, or at least this, their second unit of Javon Carter, the uh, the dude who used to lock kids up in uh at West Virginia, the ghost of Joe Angles, a you know a one of the best shooters, you know, in the game, Wesley Matthews, kind of like the, the switchy three and D guy, same with Jay Crowder. What that second unit needs is the second is like the ball handler to relief pressure from Javon Carter to make the extra pass, kind of find the shooter and essentially again, be the glue um, for that, for that second unit. And, you got to throw in there Bobby Portis, um, Goran. I mean, they have a lot of guys that like are specialty people, and you know Goran Dragic. Um, or I mean, I think he is he in the forties yet. So he is. All those guys are specialty people, but they're not really athletes, and that's what made Andre Jackson so special this last year. And shout out to Jim Ozarski, uh, who's up there in the. I think it's the. Journal Sentinel. Um, he, you know, I texted him. He had a conversation with Hurley and was talking about that. And I gave him the breakdown that essentially was, you know, he he can do the, you know, the things that a point guard can do with just this added dose of athleticism and feel for the game. 
And I think that's really going to shine on a team like Milwaukee, where he's not going to be needed to score. He's not going to be needed to develop a jump shot right away. He can go at his own pace and they can work with him in the offseason. And also, you know, look at how Giannis's jumper went from virtually non-existent to being semi-respectable. If there's an organization that can take a broken jumper and at least make it a semi-threat, it's Milwaukee. I I just absolutely love this. Uh, love to hear all of this too because it's great when a you know a guy who you have an affinity for ends up on a good team. Um, and with Andre Jackson, uh, what what a great guy also to be on that team in that situation. And what a what a nod to his overall skill set and what he brings to the table. That that such a strong franchise is interested in him, as you brought up in the last podcasts, I believe. Um, Jackson is just such a unique player. Uh, there's there's no way, there's no real comp for like a guy who is 6'5", 6'6", uh, can, can defend a really wide range of positions, uh, is, a, is a plus defender and plus passer, uh, and really like a creator offensively in a way that's also kind of hard to, to explain. Um, but I, I think it's, it's just really exciting i i think it's a great situation he'll have a chance to develop there he'll be very much asked to stay in his lane they're not counting on andre jackson to become a spot up three-point shooter out of nowhere right. or look, anything like that look at these guys so middleton brooke lopez pat Connaughton, grayson allen um joe Ingles, all shot shooters 40% or better. I mean, I mean, good God, Grayson Allen shot 48%. Um, and these are off of all three attempts or more. So that the floor spacing is already there because that's essentially, okay, this is, you know, when we were talking Jordan Hawkins, you made that ridiculous comparison to Steph Curry, which, you know, I don't even want to, don't even want to acknowledge now it's my turn to shoot for the moon and, you know, go full GameStop here. Do it. Andre Jackson has a lot of similarities to Giannis. Let's as, go. Let's as far, go. Well, no, as far as like a dude that size should not be able to handle the ball. A dude that size should not have that athleticism and be the defensive disruptor he is. Um you know, I remember this first two years when Giannis, he was pulling down rebounds and, you know, starting to break himself, which is what we've saw Andre Jackson do. And if you want to continue the comparisons, they both have no respect regarding their outside shot. Um, now, does Giannis just go by people and dunk over them? Yes, that's where the comparisons stop. And if Andre Jackson can ever do that, great. Then you that's the greatest second round pick ever. Um, but what I meant with the comparisons is that like they are players that you have to kind of form the right pieces around. And the Bucks have already done that with a freak athlete with ball handling ability that can't shoot. Great. Already have, you know, we have all the pieces. Let's just add a micro version of that for our bench. And that's where I, where I drew that comparison. Yeah. And, and it's not like he, can't score he's not incapable of putting the ball into the hoop towards the end of the season he had really figured it out 
the UConn staff got him towards the spots on the floor where he was hitting, you know, more shots. He significantly improved his two-point percentage, and he he even got some threes down during the NCAA tournament. So uh, it's not like he's it's not like he's non-existent. It's not like he can't improve on that front. And again, it's it's just again ultimately not going to be what's what's asked of him. And they they're putting him in a in a pretty good situation. Uh, head coach, by the way, at Milwaukee is Adrian Griffin, another UConn connection. That is Aubrey Griffin's father, another thing that we love to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's interesting about uh, your Giannis comparison for Andre Jackson. That's exciting. Um, I was thinking actually some something a little bit more interesting conceptually. He's like a really athletic Jeff Adrian. How about that? You know, like, so Adrian played in the NBA. You know, just, just think about that. He was not that tall. He was not that tall. So imagine if imagine if Jeff Adrian, you know, really strong rebounder, freak athlete, uh, becomes a freak athlete. That's that's Andre Jackson. No, you need you want you want the guards getting the boards. You need with all with all due respect, with all due respect to Jeff Adrian, if you put chairs in front of him, he wouldn't be able to dribble through them. (laughs) Look, Jeff, Jeff Adrian, Jeff Adrian was good. Look, yeah, Jeff Adrian would rip you apart with his bare hands. Yeah, but he 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 was an anchored post player at a time when like we were just waving goodbye to that type of player in the NBA. Yeah, um, I love Jeff Adrian. I I attended UConn at the same time as him. He had that dog in him. Yeah, I, I want to say they they're probably pretty close in height. In, yeah. In oh the- no, no, a hundred percent. But what I I don't think we realize, and that's what I stress to to Jim Ozarski was like, I don't think you realize how good of a ball handler he is. Yeah, and especially because I think he had to handle it a little bit more than, you know, it, it got almost exposed with, you know, in the bad times with UConn. Uh, but he's not going to have the ball in his hands that much. And he's not going to have defenses all over him that much. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a dude grab a rebound and they're just going to say, go. And uh, there, hopefully, fingers crossed, there will be a time where there is a fast break of Andre Jackson to Giannis or Giannis to Andre Jackson. Like, think about, think yeah. about that. And I think that's what people, you know, they look at the athleticism and the ability to guard any position and his leadership and his intangibles. No, the dude can handle the rock. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that is, and I've seen Javon Carter try to dribble and, and look, he's a great defender, but he has his limitations. So there is a world where if Andre Jackson develops more of a score, you know, is respectable from a scoring standpoint, then he's going to push and be, you know, that backup spot. It, because then when you're, when you're, we saw how dangerous a team is defensively when your point guard is six, six. And that's all the rage these days. And we'll get into to Castle later. But when your point, when you when your smallest dude on the court is six six, that raises, no pun intended, your ceiling. So I'm super pumped to see how the Bucks use him. And as opposed to the Pelicans, which are just kind of, you know, they're they're just a team. That's great. They could be good. They could get hot and everything. The Bucks, because of Giannis, have this culture of winning and the culture of development up there. So he could not have landed at a better spot. So thrilled to see him up there. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about Andre Jackson, like you said, he can grab a rebound, launch a 50 feet across the court. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, uh, finish an alley-oop to also end the play. And uh, what do you say about someone like that? Um, would encourage everyone to check out Ryan Goodman's uh, article on Andre Jackson's fit with the Bucks. A lot of good, good stuff in there. And um, third, of, in the evening, uh, we we had to stay up. The, those of us who were staying up late, which was not me, um, did end up finding out that Adama Sonogo is heading to the Chicago Bulls. Um, I think, first of all, we maybe want to talk about him not being drafted, which, uh, you know, unfortunate, but that's what happens, I think, um, or that that happens. Um, in the scope of things that can happen after you go undrafted, he did sign a two-way deal, which is better than, you know, a summer league invite, a training camp invite, whatever the other things are. Signing a two-way deal, as far as I understand, is a sign of of franchise investment at least um it means you can freely go back and forth between the g league and the nba team the nba just changed its rules to allow teams to have three on their roster as opposed to two uh so we'll see who uh Sonogo's competition for that will be he'll most likely get a chance to compete in in summer league this year but how do you feel about adama Sonogo? going undrafted, but ending up on the Chicago Bulls. Look, at first I was, I was pissed because we saw how, how he was for this team. And, and again, we're, we're almost too close there. But when you, it's, when you look at the names that are drafted, they all fit that kind of billing of like the second rounder. When you look at Jalen Clark, Isaiah Wong, Trace Jackson Davis, those are all, guys that can do like one or two things really, really well at an elite level. And those are teams taking a, you know, a throw of the dice and saying, we can work with that. That's not Adama Sonogo. Adama Sonogo already, we, we've seen what he is. He's not going to be, you know, taking people off the dribble or, you know, and I think those measurements, that six, seven height really killed him. And then did it, did it, I think the, the wingspan was, decent um so yeah I, I can't really call bullshit on teams doing that and do i think they're wrong and they're going to be wrong yes because as we've seen in the last three years adama proves everybody wrong i think he's going to absolutely demolish people in the summer league and it's going to be one of those guys that gets just absolute buckets in stats will he show enough that can get him on an nba court is what I have my fingers crossed for. Can he keep defenses honest with some shooting? Does he take two or three seconds if you know he's doubled to to find the open man? Um, you know, so much of his production in college was off of physicality, and I think that gets neutralized a little bit with in the NBA, of course. And I, I watched a couple of his highlights a couple weeks ago. And he was just, you know, he moved Drew Timmy out of the way a couple of times in the, in the Gonzaga game. He ain't going to be able to move people away. And so 
that's where I, I, I leave it with Andama Snoga. I would never bet against him. And do I want him to stay with the Bulls? Not particularly. They're, they're a dumpster fire. They do have Andre Drummond as their backup center for now. I have no idea if that contract is staying. If it's a one, you know, Andre Drummond is everywhere nowadays. Everyone wants a little bit of Andre Drummond, but Patrick Williams was another was a name I saw there that he could kind of put, you know, six seven two fifteen. So he's a solid reserve if they if they wanted to get a different look compared to him, an inside out type of thing. Um. That could be a way I can see him getting on the court. Possibly, there's just not there's not a lot of depth there in that front court. So it, maybe we'll see. That that is the person I'm most eager to watch in summer league. Of course, is can he show off facets of his game that will say I need him on the NBA court, or is he just going to bully guys that are just just below that NBA level? And someone's going to say, Well, yeah, he's obviously. We've seen him do that, but what what else can he do? And I, I don't want that to come across as I'm saying, oh, he's not good enough. I just think that he has, you know, limitations that it will really take an astute GM to use. And even that sounds negative. I I, I don't know. We we've made the mistake of doubting him before in the past. So who knows? I. I don't know. I got nothing. So the second round draft pick thing, I think I, I agree with you completely, which is just that your incentive is to go with, with higher upside rather than a, than a stable thing. Maybe even the later you get, um, I'm not sure. And, you know, again, in the case of the Milwaukee bucks, right. Who traded up, you know, maybe they saw an Andre Jackson as a, you know, person who, fell a little bit, but they could get and is the missing piece for, for, you know, a team that's close to ready. Um, Towards the end of the draft, you're talking about teams that are, are really, you know, in pure rebuild mode. And there's not really much need for like a 21 year old kind of proven, but also kind of project type of player. Think about it. Like, do you, do you, you, if you, you played fantasy football, are you? Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do some fantasy football. Well, think about like the end of the draft when it's like you've got all the guys you want and you're not going for the safe picks then. You're going for lottery tickets. And yep. you you know those solid safe guys will be on the waiver wire later that you grab and throw on your roster when you're in a pinch and you need something quick. Yeah, uh, Wes Welker, like, you know, the guy that will get you a couple of receptions in PPR and, you know, he won't make you, he won't break you, but Yeah. I think Wes Walker was good in fantasy football, but we don't need to we don't need to talk about people on the New England, New England Patriots too much. Um, so with Adama, I think I like you said about the summer league, he definitely has the most on the line, let's say, of the of the Yukon guys there. You know, Jordan Hawkins can kind of, you know, be there. Uh it's almost like the combine. You know, Jordan Hawkins can be there. Andre Jackson uh will will do his thing. Uh, but yeah, Dama Sonogo is starting a absolute grind, which is being a fringe NBA player. Uh, and I think he has a lot of things going for him. However, uh, despite despite all the limitations which have been discussed at great length, uh, he does have some things going for him, including some upside. As as we've often discussed, he started playing late. 
Um, I think he's a, you know, he's a good fit for this two-way deal. Um, you know, he's a good fit for you want him on your G League team. You know, even if three, if it's two two years down the road and he's maybe not even projected to be an NBA guy, maybe you still want him on your G League team to just work with younger guys and that kind of thing. And maybe you give him a few cups of coffee when someone's hurt. Um, and maybe that's his thing for a few years. And then again, he, he jets off to France and, and goes and plays for 17 years or something like that. But the the path forward to me is ball handling you know because he's six seven uh look at how and i don't want to make the comparison but like look how grant williams who played mostly inside in college then came outside became uh, you know the the stretch for where he was the mismatch where he was too quick for guys he can take him off the dribble but then he can go inside and bang and guard Giannis and everything like that if adama just does every dribbling drill you can imagine and can take the ball and, and, you know, do something with it on the perimeter, I think you will open up a whole new uh, projection for him because then he's the guy that you don't have to just stick him down in the post. You can play around with matchups, and I think that is his path to, like, a, a consistent NBA role. Is and, and so, like, we've heard the stories where it's like, hey, Adama, work on three-point shooting. Okay, 35% you know, three-point shooter. Hopefully Hurley and, you know, them are saying like, Adama, here is how you stick in the NBA. You need to be able to be comfortable handling the rock. Okay. Next summer, you know, he's, and we saw a little glimpse of that. If you remember, I think back to that one Miami play in this, in the early in the second half, when it was getting close, the pump fake, two dribbles, absorb the contact, lay it up. If that is a consistent thing in his arsenal, we're talking Adama Sonogo NBA player because he has all the rest of the attributes. Yeah, and look, his his shooting improvement from year two to year three at UConn are are very important to talk about and highlight over and over and over. Um, he went from being a fifty percent two point shooter to sixty three percent, and went from a zero percent three point shooter to thirty six. You know, like the that's super encouraging. And uh, so I think in addition to the dribbling, we know he can do the shooting improvement. And yeah, it's just it's just a matter of, you know, obviously you, you watch UConn, you watch a guy like him enough. You, you know, he's a high character guy. You know, he's working on his game. Uh, it's, you know, it's the, the least uh, intelligent part of my argument, our argument, but uh, I believe in him. I, I, I believe in his drive and ability and uh you know, desire to succeed. And, um, you know, again, even if it means he plays uh, three seasons in the NBA, you know, and that's, and that's what he maxes out at, at the absolute, you know, apex of his powers. That's awesome. That's so awesome, man. And, uh, you know, he's a really great player. He's someone UConn fans will always be really proud of and always cherish his time. And, you know, his professional career is going to be great. Um, how, how exactly long, he spends in the NBA is a matter that remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, he's, he's playing in the pros. He's on a two-way contract with an NBA team. I also hope his future is not in Chicago. And I think there's a very high likelihood of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we said, he's got a lot, he got a lot on the line in summer league uh, next month in Vegas. Uh, that's because he'll be playing for the other GMs watching most likely uh, because uh 
without without you know looking too deeply at Chicago's roster situation and obviously again casual NBA fan here it's just it's just highly likely that he's cut by Chicago I think that's you know fair to say he's a not a draft pick he's he's you know he he could get cut he could end up not in the two-way spot uh in one of the three two-way spots so it's it's highly plausible he's not with Chicago you know by this November or whatever well and uh, and that's what that's what worries me is when he goes out there for the Bulls, they're going to throw him into the post and say, go get buckets, go, go just do what you do in, at UConn. Um, how he makes it in the NBA is he works with a franchise and says like, we know what you can do there. We're going to work on the skills that we already talked about. And he is the type of person that says, you're no longer going into the post. You have to become a perimeter player now. Okay, I'll do it. Done. And he goes to work, puts his head down and goes to work. If he's on a team where they say like, oh, we want you to just, uh, you know, bulldoze them inside. Ain't going to happen at, at, in the NBA. Because, you know, he spent all this time at UConn inside. He needs to start his perimeter work right now. And that ain't happening with the Bulls. So hopefully, wherever he lands, they have enough faith in him, like we talked about. Yes, it's definitely going to be a, a very interesting summer for, for Adama Sanogo, uh, to say the least. I think, um, you know, the, the, the other uh, guys we may want to mention here is, I think there's a possibility we see Tyrese Martin and Isaiah Whaley uh, in in the G League. And uh, that could make it at least, you know, again, very interesting. If you're a UConn fan, you're you're hungry for some hoops, you you miss the fellas, you miss Isaiah Whaley, you're wondering what uh, Tyrese Martin's up to. I think, uh, you know, summer, summer League might offer uh, a good time for, for you. Do you think we might get a chance to see those guys? Oh, most definitely. There will be at some point, you think back to the the lineup that got somehow, okay, this is so long ago, but upset by New Mexico fucking state. Uh, I'm sure at some, oh no, well, Hawkins was out with a concussion. So, but think of at some point in two years ago, there was a lineup out there of Hawkins, Jackson, Whaley, Tyrese Martin, and Sonogo. How cool is that? You know, that I, I don't think two years ago that we would have said at with, when those guys took the core and I, and we can look up the specific times they shared it, say, oh, wow, these guys are all going to be NBA prospects. Huge feather in Hurley's cap. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I love watching the summer. God, it sounds like such a sicko thing to say, but I love watching the summer league because, you know, we're specific fans of UConn. There always seems to be someone around, like even – you know, Vital back in the day, James Booknight tore it up. So all those guys, I think, will have shots at improving their stock. You know, who knows? Maybe Whaley comes back and is, you know, flashes enough to latch on somewhere. I think he was with the Hornets last time, but we can talk about that later. No, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a good year for UConn. We're we're very excited. I think uh, to have to be sending. To have two guys in the draft again, first time since 2014, 
Uh, could have had three, which would have been cool. More importantly, UConn is keeping it going, folks. Uh, early 2024 draft mocks are coming out. And in the recent one by NBA Draft Express, we had two Huskies in the top 10. Patrick, do you want to tell us about that? Uh, who, who are those two in the top 10? And how does that make you feel? Oh, we like that. <laughs> yeah. That is, I, we, we were just saying off air how, you know, wow, we just had this great run. How spoiled are we that then we get to run it back with this team, with these two guys, not just two you know, four-year players that, you know, it's, oh, it's their last hurrah. We get to say goodbye. Two guys that we are going to be watching play college, play, not, geez, we are, two guys we're going to watch play basketball for the next 15 years. Donovan Klingon is going to be a, 10-year guy. Stephen Castle is going to be a 10-year guy, both of them at minimum. And somehow they're going to share the court together, fresh off a championship. So there's just like, there's no pressure at all. So go out there and hoop a six, seven point guard that can do a little bit of everything. And then a seven, and it's just also like the, like the coolness factor, <laughs> like a seven, three dude from Connecticut. A six seven, you know, McDonald's All American that can do basically everything on the court. This isn't like 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 we just Cam Spencer. The... Oh yeah, well yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, later. But I'm just saying with like with with Castle and Klingon, it's going to be so exciting to watch their trajectory in the next year. And you know, grain of salt, those projections, the, the way too early draft picks, just like the way the the way too early power rankings, they're all bullshit. They throw out names of guys that could flash. And it's going to be a very hard road for Donovan Klingon, I think, more so than Stephen Castle. I think the minutes, the defense is focusing on him, the lack of Sonogo around is going to be tougher than people think. Uh, and then if you want to talk about castle, well, I talked about that in, in the article on the fast break, if you subscribe, um, how he had, he has a little bit of, you know, athleticism question mark, but wow, those two guys, you know, what the last time UConn had two top 10 picks was Oh four, right. With Gordon and Emeka, or was it? Oh, Oh six. Oh six um, with gay Armstrong and somebody else and then actually uh lamb and drummond were the same year also i don't think they were top 10 though oh they were not top 10 yeah yeah sorry sorry uh so 06 might not have been either so in that case yeah because i think armstrong was like a 14th and he kind of yeah, yeah, was that, that random so, yeah, so two legitimate yeah and i'm promises the last of the craziness but in while those mock drafts are bullshit there could be a season coming up that Klingon outperforms and castle outperforms and we're looking at two top five picks potentially that's absurd and batshit crazy but there is a world where that happens because those two things like those two players are exactly what the nba is right now is like yeah. rim protection rim running and versatility yeah no exactly and, and the oh, teams are built around them and like, like imagine Klingon starts, you know, showing the range that Sonogo showed from three. 
he is going to fly up. He, he could be a top, he could be a top three pick. If you have a seven, three guy that can, you know, consistently hit from downtown. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's incredible how, you know, our, the fortunes have turned in, in, in 20, you know, in 24 months, mm-hmm. but it is a good time to be a Huskies fan. So I'll close with, we like that. We do like that. I think the path is really there for, for Klingon, uh in a, in a serious way. I think, you know, not to, uh, not to say anything negative before, uh, you know, this, this much before a season, even if he doesn't have that great of a year, I think he's going to be like a top 15 pick. Not, to, you know, I just think he's shown enough. And even if he shows this, you know, improvement in athleticism and merely mild improvement in his shooting, I think that's still enough for him to be a really high draft pick. He's seven for three. He's seven for three. He's very athletic. Uh, you cannot teach that. I think Castle obviously has a lot more to prove. You never know with these highly rated freshmen how their adjustment goes. But I think what is really boding well in his favor is just how good the team and support system is around him. He'll have really experienced guys, uh, you know, in the backcourt with him and, and Tristan and Spencer. Uh, don't sleep on Cam Spencer's draft prospects, folks. Hey, don't, you know. Oh, is that what you're getting at? <laughs> that was my joke. That was my uh-huh. joke. Yes, is, is okay. Cam Spencer, who's going to be the top 10 pick. That went right over me. That's okay. okay. That's okay. I, yeah, I, I was wondering out loud, you know, you were building up the anticipation as to who these top 10 picks were. Uh, and I just, I, I lost control. And I thought, I thought surely you were talking about Cam Spencer. Maybe um, Samson Johnson. Well, maybe Alex Caravan was also in that mock draft in the second round. I think that's where, you know, to your earlier point about these mocks being pure gibberish. I don't know if I see no Alex Caravan leaving after his sophomore year, uh, but that's something. I think it would be number six if he did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. It would have to be something really incredible, like him being the DeAndre Daniels of another championship team, you know, kind of situation. not a bad comparison honestly we're doing comps we're, we're i'm just in a comps mood you know so. yeah all right uh, well on that note folks again thank you all for subscribing to the fast break thank you especially to our paid subscribers you make it all possible we are going to be in vegas doing live reporting from the summer league uh and in the next podcast we're going to actually do a deeper dive on all of the huskies in the nba not just the ones who just joined Boots on the ground, baby.